If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. This week we're so lucky to be joined by award-winning audiobook narrator, actor and coach Erin Moon. Erin, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's morning my time. How how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, just gone 20 to 6 evening time for me. Yeah, so it's nearly bedtime for this. That's it. It's getting uh, yeah, all dark and cold, and yeah, not uh, not going out weather at all. That that sounds like Vancouver as well. I think that <laughs> London, England and Vancouver have a lot of similarity in that way. We spend a lot of time wet. Do you know? I think because uh, I think that maybe we have it a little bit better because Vancouver gets freezing, doesn't it? Yeah, like it's so interesting. So in Celsius, it's like Mm. when it's, well, I guess Celsius or Fahrenheit, when it's just above freezing or when it's like two degrees here, Celsius, like 30 or like say 40 Fahrenheit, it feels like it's snow on the ground, parka with fur around it, mittens and mucklucks. And like it feels properly, properly freezing cold. Whereas when I go just across the mountains to where I grew up in the prairies in Alberta, um, it's the same. And you're like wearing a light coat because it's so (laughs) dry there. But the air here is so wet that it just gets in your skin, the cold here. Yeah, Yeah, but it doesn't stay there for very long, which is nice. That is nice. Now, I, yeah. I often think that we're sort of a little bit dramatic over here in the UK because we'll, we'll just get a slight <laughs> chill and think, oh, that's it. There's no point going outside ever again. Yeah. Just <laughs> but I do think it's because it's wet. It's wet, mm. cold there. And mm. it, I get it now. Even New York wasn't like that. Um, it, I, would, you'd, ha- you'd have snowmageddon there and you'd yeah. be cold, proper cold, but not the kind of cold I get here. Did I did I read right that you lived in New York for was it thirteen years? Mm-hmm. How was that? <laughs> Sorry, just taking a <laughs> sip of water. Um, yeah, it was great. So I moved there pretty much. Well, it was just after. It was only about, I think, maybe five months, four months after nine eleven, four or five yeah. months, uh, right after graduating school, and I loved it. It was it was the perfect new experience to have as an actor after just graduating and I was with some I was with my late husband who he like did his undergrad there and so he knew New York so I didn't have to feel like I don't even know where to live like I have no (laughs) idea where to look for an apartment I don't know how you hustle in this town he was like I got us here's the (laughs) level of hustle and my eyes like fell out of my head because I was like that's how hard you have to hustle here uh, and it was really awesome for a good amount of time. And, and that hustle, you know, was yeah. and did pay off. And it was funny because it was right as everything was really starting to pay off all that, all those years of hustle and all yeah. those relationships made that I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to stay here. This isn't my yeah. place in the world. Um, yeah. And so uh, we're starting to look at places to move and I've never lived in Vancouver and my sister lives here and we'd been apart for 20 years. So it yeah. was it was the right place to go. Yeah, absolutely. I often think that these places where they're sort of right for the right time. Yeah. And that, you know, they're sort of you, you, you sort of get, you, you, you know, you, you're at a place and it's perfect for then. And then yeah. times move on and then somewhere else becomes the perfect place to be. And 100%. I think that's really nice. Well, and I needed like I really needed really needed to get a backbone backbone like I've always been a really like high empathy kid and you know would would cry at the thought of saying something mean to someone else because of how they would feel that kind Mm -hmm. of that's just was my baseline Mm -hmm. and and in the in your like I was there mid-20s to mid-30s and that was such a good time energy-wise, too, to be like, yeah, I'm, I can take the sensorial overload of the subway yeah. every day and garbage and piss. <laughs> I can smell you every day and be fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I can hustle like that. And mm. all of those things were like the perfect match. The city gave a lot. And then it just, as I matured 
And as I got that backbone and everything, and I was like, okay, and now I want to come back to a bit of my softer parts. And I want to come back to the kid who likes to spend a lot of time in nature and in the mountains and all of that. I was like, okay, I think the city's now taking more than it's giving. Yeah. And that's the time to leave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so important and vital to to listen to yourself as well and listen to what you sort of need and, and want. And that's so that's so vital. Yeah. Um, so is uh, as is tradition, the first question I always like to ask on this show, um, would you be able to tell us a little about your background and, and how you came into the world of audiobook narration? Yeah, you bet. So I'm a classically trained actor, wanted to be an actor my whole life or a marine biologist. It was one of the two. Oh, wow. Yeah, acting yeah. one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so when I graduated school, I went and did a Shakespeare festival. It was like my second year of doing that summer Shakespeare festival in Colorado and met a boy, fell in love and moved to New York city and, and was doing the, the actor hustle and all the yeah. jobs that you work when you're not working. Yeah. And a friend who was, um, also, um, also classically trained actor said, oh, I work at Recorded Books. And as any audiobook narrator knows, oh. as soon as you tell someone you work in audiobooks, especially if they're an actor, oh. they're like, oh my gosh, I love books. I, lo- I perform. I want to read for pe- I love to read for people. And I did that same reaction as everybody yeah. does. And she was like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> what I do is everything but the acting part. So she's like, I do direction, post-production, editing, proofing, mastering, the whole thing. And mm. they really like actors to do that part of this job because we know actors. So we know how to work with actors. We know um, all, all that comes with that, with different kinds of actors. And we know literature and story. And we yeah. care about literature and story. And so uh, I was like, okay, well, anything's got to be better than temping. And I, so I had an interview, and that was the perfect job. So I worked yeah. at Recorded Books at least 35 hours a week uh, for four and a half years, I think it was. And everybody I worked around was either a musician, a sound engineer, an MFA trained actor. We had one woman who uh, had a lit degree and she ended up going and teaching literature at Brown. Like just, just beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous people to work with. And, and I got my late husband in to start narrating, which was great because he's an actor. He was an actor too. And also eventually I got up the guts (laughs) to make a little demo (laughs) Um, and give it to Claudia. And Claudia knew I was an actor. She had just seen me in an off-Broadway show that was really successful. And they let me go and do gigs, which was great, because theater was really the thing I wanted to do. And so I had this job that I always could come back to and not feel like a jerk if I had to leave for six weeks. And I had health insurance and a 401k. Like, I didn't have to work gigs for my health insurance, and that was revelatory. Mm-hmm. And and then Claudia was like, I gave my demo, I put it on her desk, and she's like, Yeah, great. We were all, we were gonna uh, have you do a Canadian book that we have coming out, and I was like, Great, I gotta call my parents and remember how the hell I talk as a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I had been working so hard to get rid of all my Canadianisms, and I only spoke with an with American dialect, and uh, and so that's actually how I got started was doing a book that not only was Canadian but was about the prairies, and that's where my oh, nice. family comes from. Is there? My mom was a farmer in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains into the prairies. My dad grew up in Saskatchewan, which is yeah. just all prairies, and. So that was really cool. And then from there, part of why they didn't love it when we crossed over is because they knew they'd lose us as post-production and directors. And that's exactly what mm. happened. Very shortly thereafter, within about a year, I yeah. left the that part of the job and I've been narrating um, and coaching and stuff like that ever since. That's fantastic. So while you yeah. were while you were directing and doing post production and things on, on on that side of things, mm-hmm. were was that actor in you sort of every time you would you know listen to a book being recorded, meet narrators? Was that voice there, just kind of going, "Oh, come on, you want to, you, you got to give it a go." Yeah, I there? think I think it was. I did want to. I did want to give it a go, but I also kind of understood hmm. the unwritten rule that was in place of like we want to retain you here 
We yes. understand that you're an actor and we're using those skills. Yeah. But we don't want to use that other skill that you have. But go ahead and go do gigs. So yeah. it, it did. It was nice because I didn't feel in any way that I was neglecting that part of myself mm. because I was working with people in my field and mm. in the field of stories all that time. My whole mm. existence was still about stories and mm. working in a creative space and working with you know, creative entrepreneurs. And so it's really interesting. I didn't feel like, oh, gee, I sure wish, you know, I could audition for this book when I was running yeah. an audition for a book. Or, you know, I'd see colleagues of mine that I'd just seen in an audition like <laughs> two days earlier come in and I'm on one side of the glass and they're on the other. Yeah. Instead, I saw, it's interesting, I was really settled into the fact that if that put them at ease, I was yeah. also working within my field of story and with actors so yeah yeah i didn't feel i actually booked more shows as soon as i got that job because i was so much happier because i was okay. working in the in the story yeah. field of cre creativity yeah yeah i get that completely when you um when you did transition over um to narration work do you think it was a benefit to you that you did have all these understandings of how post-production worked how what the director expected from you do you think that yeah could you speak a little bit about how that yeah. impacted your narration work coming from that you know that experience that's a great question because it's a really good question or, uh, for people who are starting out as well to be aware mm. you know what I felt is it reminded me so much of theater school that you do not get through theater school without doing all of the backstage work you got to work in costumes. You got to work in lighting. You've got to work in, you know, stage production. You in um, uh, stage management. Like you yeah. don't get through a theater program without them making sure you've done at least one round in backstage, so that you know how to be a good game, like team player. Yeah. And so uh, on top of it just being an extraordinary learning experience, because you know I'm working with like. Dion Graham and Robin Miles and George Guadal and Ro um, Rosenblatt and like Barbara Rosenblatt and Suzanne Torin and Carol Mond. Like I'm working with like the people who made this industry are reading me stories all day long. <laughs> it was I mean, it was talk about immersion. Like mm. there's many ways to learn. You got to you got to digest what a coach gives you. You know, you can't just like. Mm then give it give it to somebody else you got to like learn the lessons yourself and i feel yeah. like i got all that time to be in immersion of all of the intricacies understanding a little bit of especially in the post production side and because we did punch and um and <laughs> i've edited stream recording quite a bit and i'll tell you as far as a performer I think it's an extremely yeah. inefficient way to work because okay. what I would hear in stream recording, and this is one of the things you learn, you wouldn't know yeah. otherwise, is you listen to actors lose the thread. So you know how we screw up sometimes like four or five times? Yeah. Um, and we get frustrated and we try to come back to the story. Yeah. If you haven't listened to your pre-roll, if you haven't listened to where you were mm. to come just those three or four words and then start again... Yeah. In stream recording, all you've done is screw up, screw up, screw up, take a breath, screw up, take a breath, and then continue. By the time yeah. you've done that, you've actually lost the thread. Yeah. You're in some, you're someplace different than where you were before. And I would edit that and have to pick, oh, well, the, the first good part of this sentence. And then when they finally got the end of the sentence, I'm going to have to put those two together because they've lost the plot so much in mm. the way they begin the sentence that now my work as an editor goes up exponentially and I'm an actor, so I'm yeah. not a sound engineer. So yeah. I cared about that. For me, making sure that the continuity of the story that went through when I edited those pieces together was very mm -hmm. important. I can't say that that would be the experience of every sound engineer. I don't know. But because yeah. to me that was important and as a performer that was important, yeah. that's how I edited stream. But Every time I edited it, I hated it because it was so <laughs> sad to listen to actors yeah. just 
kind of lose it. So like I wouldn't know that if I hadn't have done that job. So that's also made me really as a coach be like you got to learn punch. Like yeah. for your performance skills just it's just a mind body thing you got to figure out, you got to get going on. And and also understanding in post production uh how important it is to be on top of your own continuity. So Carol Monda would always come into the studio and ask to listen to the last five to 10 minutes of what she'd done the day before. Hmm. And I remember thinking, A, classy, <laughs> and she is super classy, uh, and care. Hmm. Care about the listener experience and the continuity from one day to another. And I've done that for a long time as a narrator because I see the value of it in and I've and as an editor I know when it's like one chapter ends and the next day it's like holy crud did they just wake up <laughs> like it's like hello and now I'm talking like this the next day you know yeah. and not much has happened in the story so you're like no they didn't get a <laughs> that, yeah, that didn't yeah, work yeah, yeah. so those kind of lessons were really I think like any time you want to do post-production like I know a lot of new narrators will end up editing their own stuff um, and I'm a big, big, per, big advocate for use a sound engineer whenever humanly possible to do to do your editing. Yeah. And part of that is like if you want to edit, edit your friend's stuff. Mm. Be an editor, but not for your own stuff. Do mm. an exchange with some other new narrator who also edits. Like have somebody just at least do the proof edit. Mastering is you can do your own mastering fine, but mm. at least have someone do a proof edit. Because if you proof edit other people's stuff, you will learn what makes an engineer's life easier. Mm -hmm. And that's your team. Mm. You know, like I have a bit higher pickups. And so I want all the rest of my work for an editor to be easy peasy. Mm. Because I yeah. know they're going to have to have a little bit higher load for pickups. That's fine. Yeah. But I want to be responsible to my relationship with my business partners. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more. And to be honest with you, that's that's exactly kind of um, what I've I, I've ended up doing myself. So my sister is a, a sound engineer. Um, oh my gosh! I know, right? What are the chances? <laughs> um, so it's incredible. So obviously, I'm I'm using her. Um, I, I she edits all of my work, but I'm also an editor. I edit for other narrators as well. But I will not touch my own work. And I think that that it's so valuable having her, you know a second. A pair of ears before that goes off to anybody you know and uh and also you know obviously it helps that she's a sound engineer herself but <laughs> um yeah I think that that's that's so important and the things that I've learned as well um editing for other narrators and narrators who you know are a lot more experienced than I am and, and the things that you can pick up and you know the bits of wisdom that they can give you in you know email transactions and such I think it's yeah it's um, yeah it's like all of the little pieces of the business that you get the opportunity mm. for. And I think it's also really important because, I mean, this is the whole like be a listener, dear, dear mm. Lord, be a listener. Um, because if you're listening to a variety of people, you also kind of get to see what is the lexicon of audio content for story that mm. is out there for audiobooks. And when people, for instance, are narrators who make subtler choices for characters, and then when there are narrators who make bigger choices for characters, and then you hear those same narrators in a different book, and they make very different choices, you mm. understand that they're crafting a whole experience that is based on maybe direction. So it might just be, just be straight up, I was directed to be subtler in this book, I was directed to be bigger in this book. So there's might be that. It also might be genre-based, and it also might be, you know what, this story really called for this. Or, like, their career. Listen to something mm -hmm. that Julia Whelan did 10 years ago and listen to where she is now. And both are gorgeous, but they are very different. Mm -hmm. And so we're all on our own artistic journey, too, to... And we we go through ebbs and flows, and we, we get a vibe off a book, and we're like, oh, this book is asking for this. And this <laughs> book is asking for this. And... Yeah part of what your journey is in learning is recognizing that that's actually like one of the biggest things is yeah. that literary analysis aspect of like what is calling yeah. and because when I read a book just read I get that same feeling sometimes the pictures are vibrant sometimes they're sepia mm. so 
I want to match that in what I'm trying to, as I'm being book book ante and bringing it out yeah. into the world in this new form and like taking yeah. care of this book baby. <laughs> um, I want to be be mindful that every child is not the same. <laughs> Do you know that brings me on to um, three words that um, I saw written across um, a few of your platforms, which is heart, humor, and honesty. Um, three very powerful words displayed on your website and other um, platforms. Could you tell us why these three words, these pillars mean so much to you in your, in your work? Yes, thank you. That's a great question. Um, for me, that's, that's like the root or the basis from which I just naturally come to my work as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. honesty being the biggest overweening one because it's kind of like underneath honesty lie heart and humor you know my heart has to be in it for honesty yeah. to work but um, I need to be aware <laughs> in the honest relationship that I have with the text and with the story around is this a moment of my hand on my chest and a moment where I am deeply in a heart space of human experience or am I being sassy or am I being dry or because dear Lord, humor matters <laughs> in our experience as human beings. <laughs> and, and I also think that that's what I really enjoy is yeah. I enjoy playing like a sassy character and I really enjoy being in that heart space and it's an it's an easy place for me to settle in. Mm. But all of them fall under my fundamental job, which is to be honest, in honest relationship with the text, to be mm. in honest relationship with myself, to make sure I'm not um, pushing and grasping towards something, that I'm being vulnerable enough to go on the ride and trust that my human experience of these given circumstances is enough for someone to come along with me. Yeah. That I just have to, I have to live it. If I live it honestly, they will come. And mm. and at the end of the day, not everybody's going to come along with you because <laughs> yeah. we can't serve everybody ever, as we all know from our yeah. reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sound like Siri and be too animated in the same book. <laughs> yeah. But apparently that occurs. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hear you on that one. The best one that I had was I did a book where um, two it was um, two main characters. One was um, British and one was standard American. Obviously, yeah. for the British, I used my um, my own voice. And the and the top comment was, "God, the guy really struggles with a British accent." It's <laughs> <laughs> like I, out of the two, I really thought that was the one I had down. Like, I, I don't think you're alone either. I've heard that from so many people where they're like, oh, that Appalachian was terrible. And they're like, I grew up in Appalachia. <laughs> that is literally where I grew up. Yeah. I also had one time, um, her French was terrible. I mean, I don't speak French, but her French was terrible. <laughs> And I was like, and I had like the best research. I worked like all all the things, but it's so funny because it's the you know it's that you have to take a breath as a narrator and go. I will not, cannot. I am an artist. I will not, cannot serve all people. That is not reality of art artistry. (laughs) No, absolutely. I was I was reading um, your glowing testimonials and. I noticed that a fair few um, were praising uh, your, your accent work. Would you mind taking us through your process on, on how you on you, how you develop accents and and how you would approach one that perhaps you you were uh, unfamiliar with? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I've always really liked accent. I'm a singer, so uh, mm-hmm. I have an ear for uh, the modulation of things. We'll put yeah. it that way, um, and. So I've always, always, always played, as many actors have, kind of within the accent realm. A lot of my work is um, hearing and mimicking. So hearing and mimicking gives me the chance to feel where it is in my mouth and in my body. Like, where does it sit? Like, why is it all round? If I'm going, oh, that's really, like, it's back in the, it's like, there's a lot of 
uvularity and there's a lot of space in the back of my throat and even if I'm not doing something so thick in Scottish it still has a very like it's got a different space in the back of my mouth like and there's back and forward sounds I'm like oh okay but I have to mimic it and mimic it and mimic it and then I can start to play and feel how it is in my mouth um, and sometimes I will learn to specific things because I'm a classically trained actor. I do have a skill set around placement. Um, yeah. So if somebody talks about placement, that can be a, a key opening for me. But a lot of the time, it's it's doing that. And then with audiobooks, it's also kind of like audiobook efficiency with language. There's audiobook efficiency with accent. That at mm. the end of the day, are people from an area kind of no matter what going to be able to notice once in a while or more than once in a while that I'm not from that place probably probably Mm. across the board because we all are tuned into our own individual ways of speaking Mm. um and is it enough because they already know that I'm American and Canadian they know that they know that heading in because my first person or third person limited narrative is in my natural way of speaking yeah so if that's the case, then they're already forgiving me, that there's already a relationship that we're developing around the suspension of disbelief, which is, it's, it is disbelieving and kind of unbelievable <laughs> that we all do what we do where we play 50 people in a book. They get it. Yeah. They're like, you know, that troll sounded a lot like that elf. And, you, <laughs> and you, so there's a suspension of disbelief and a care yeah relationship that happens between our listeners and us so I also for me it's about making sure that I'm hitting fundamental sound Mm. and rhythm and placement so that if there's a sound or two off within that it's going to not jolt people out of the dialogue so much that Mm. they miss the end of the sentence like that my job is to make sure when uh, throughout all my narration that I'm not, as much as possible, I'm not bouncing the listener out of the experience of the story, the overall story. Mm. My job is to keep them hooked into the overall story. Mm. So with that, with different accents like that I have trouble with, I'll start looking. I'll get YouTube. I'll get conversations. I love accent uh, accenthelp.com because mm. the resources are gorgeous if you're an auditory listener or an auditory learner like yeah. I am. Uh, so I'll download one of their accent things and I'll pop through a whole bunch of the conversational stuff. And I'm like, oh, there's a lyricism. I don't like it so much when people read something. Mm-hmm. I want them in conversation. Because okay. most of the time when I'm voicing these these accents, almost all the time, I'm in dialogue. I'm yeah. not in narration. Yeah. So, And I know that might be different for you because you might do whole books in an American accent. Um, but I feel like... For me, all my accent work is done in dialogue, so I want to hear people in conversation. I want to hear the rhythm. I want to hear little bits. And then I basically, like, choose what are the main things, where's the general placement, and let's let's hang out in that place. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I find it so fascinating. Um, and you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I do feel um, myself, you know, if, if I'm tackling an accent or something, I have to spend, you know, hours and hours and hours, days really um, with it going on in my head, listening to, as yeah. you say, conversations. So are you like that? Like if you um, if you go abroad or, you know, travel somewhere or even, you, you know, you might just hear an accent in your in your hometown. Which Are you like immediately listening? Oh, oh hang on gosh. a second. Like- <laughs> I'm a creeper. I start putting my recording thing on. I've been in taxis. <laughs> And been purposefully engaging a taxi driver in conversation yeah. just so that I've got a good accent tag. <laughs> like, such a creeper. And and I also do the, like, I'll listen, I'll watch movies. Like, if I've yeah. got a, a tough one, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just think of if I ever had a main character that was Welsh, for instance, which is to me because it it has glimmers of Scottish and glimmers of Irish and glimmers of this and glimmers of that. And it's got all these just too close to too many accent things going on with it. Um, And and such an incredible culture of its own that I want to honor it. Um, That I want to, I would be like on all of the welsh podcasts i would be listening to welsh uh, i'll w- listen to narrators like welsh narrators i'll listen to mm. a whole book like 
I knew I was heading into a Scottish series and I just, I was like blow my ears off. Like everything was Scottish all the time so that I could feel that very deeply in my bones. And it's almost yeah. like you hear a language after a while, you start to hear it all the time. And mm. then from there, I can have more confidence that I can head into that work. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. I just want all that. I want to be steeped in that accent to yeah. to go there absolutely i think that i think scottish must be one of the the, the harder mm. ones i think i think because um, my all my um my partner's family are, um, are scottish and uh, oh, uh, yeah. grandfathers from you know fife and stuff but he's from he's from this like where you really and I, I mean this you know cheekily as a brit to the scots i cannot understand a word of it you know it's so thick and that's so, like the, the thick aberdeen well it's all alone down and you can't really understand what they're talking you're like i don't know how you're yeah. not choking on your tongue but i also don't understand how how you like wow and that there's a little bit of gaelic in there too like yeah. there's these words yeah. that you don't you wouldn't uh, understand because they are actually it's like you know when people quote unquote speak spanglish you know like yeah. where there's an amalgamation between two languages you know it's mm-hmm. same with a celtic with irish it's like when it's irish and english or when it's scottish and english together you're like oh yeah. i'm actually not sure if i am hearing english right now because yeah. i might be hearing a colloquial scottish word yeah. mixed in there yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's so fascinating and it has you're to be intelligible that's it isn't it yeah no our, our work right. i think yeah that's that's <laughs> Um, that's the thing, you know. I've, I've done a few books myself where the um, the characters have been from that, you know, the true Highlands, you know, um, sort yeah. of way north past Sky, like Ullapool area. Yeah. Um, and you're like, I'm going to have to sort of lower it a little bit because otherwise, it's going to be, it's not going to yeah. be very, uh, very intelligible. Um, yeah. Anyway, but I would love to know more um, about your about your time coaching and about what you know mm-hmm. the, the coaching that you offer. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you bet. Um, so. Because of the, my background, so because classically trained actor and then uh, four and a half years of directing and uh, mm-hmm. working uh, on the other side of the glass, mm-hmm. I pretty quickly started offering uh, workshops with my friends at Brick Shop. So Rob and Chris, we all worked together at Recorded Books, and they were some of the first to spin off from the larger companies and build these smaller audiobook produ- uh, production companies that had mm-hmm self-tape booths that they made and also just a smaller production house because these bigger production houses like recorded books audible all these big big guys um couldn't satisfy how many backlist books were being done how much was happening and acx happened so as Mm. soon as that happened there was opportunity for some of the sound engineers who were in these larger companies to do these smaller spin-off audiobook production companies pete rowan did it as well there's a bunch of people who doing it at that time which is about like um i want to say like 2009 or something like that Mm. and um and so we started offering uh, workshops there, and we did it. It's funny because I would never, I wouldn't do it now. We were, we were all learning. Um, it was like, you know, we work with you one day, and then the next day we uh, do a demo. Like basically, you'll get one one audiobook demo out of it. Now I never do a singular weekend or a singular training where it's like we're going to do training, 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 and at the end, on this exact date with this exact time frame, you will have yeah. a demo. I don't do that and I don't agree with it actually because there's every group of people I've taught since and even within that first learning experience we learned very fast we were like oh right people really some people just really aren't ready yet they've got yeah. so much learning to do and everybody's learning styles are different everybody needs more time less time everybody has more or less time to learn a new skill because that's real you know, we're all trying to work our normal jobs as we add this other thing in. So now uh, my coaching can consist of me working with authors who are going to narrate their own books, um, which I highly recommend. All authors get coaching. Dear Lord, get coaching before you do your own book um, by people who do this. Uh, yeah. It can just settle. I believe it settles your nervous system, which makes you more accessible to your own work or to any work. Um, yes. when you when you settle in to performance coaching. And then uh, for newer narrators, a lot of it is is business coaching, expectation setting, mm. understanding how they're gonna layer this into their lives, their learning process. Um, 
a little bit at the early stages, me just saying, you really want to do it? Great. Let's not go on ACX and audition for a book and then get a book and not be able to accomplish it. Because so many people, that's their story, is being really excited, which is awesome. Mm. Never want to kill that. Being really excited about something, um, uh, feeling like it must be super easy. It's just reading a book, auditioning because there's a platform for it, and then not being able to accomplish it in a way because it's out there for all all people for all time um, in a way that is not stressful as all get out, doesn't feel make you feel like an imposter, doesn't make you feel like you're screwing it up. Mm. All these things that like why invite that level of self-loathing and <laughs> yuckiness and, you know, like the yeah. story is so common oh, yeah. of feeling like crap during mm. your first book that I'm like, don't kill the thing you love, learn mm. the thing you love, then do the, the thing you love. <laughs> Practice, yeah. like settle your nervous system, be good to yourself, learn all the tech stuff because it's super hard at first to learn that stuff. Don't learn it while you're also trying to perform something. Um, you know, be an avid listener, like all the things you can do to set yourself up for success. So a lot of when mm. I'm working with new narrators, it's just giving them tools. Here's, and not that are based purely on me. Like, it's like, here's a tool, go learn on your own. I get that this is expensive. Here's all the things you can do before you save up money to work with me. Or if I'm not working for you, here are five other coaches that I adore that are beautiful people who are caring and are good at what they do and know this business inside and out. Work with them too, get their opinions. Because performance is like... I'm not the person who holds the right or wrong for performance, nor is any coach. You know, there is no one way. So you got to get feedback from a few people, Mm. see what's similar, listen to the similar things, (laughs) Mm. the things that are different or in opposition even maybe to each other, you get to pick and choose because it's an art. So if one coach says, oh, your character voices are way too big. And then the other coach says, you know what? Those are spot on. You get to decide, okay, is it somewhere in between? Or or it like, do I like, does it feel good where I am? Do I want to tone it down? And then you could reflect back, go back to that coach that said they're just right and say, hmm. I'm trying this. What do you think about this? And then they can go, you know what? That's not enough. Then you go back to the one who liked it big, hear what they have to say. So that you get to... Also mold your own craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what I, when I'm working with new narrators, it's about just helping them start the education journey. And mm-hmm. then of course, giving feedback um, and working toward getting the demo pieces together. So yeah. working toward just getting material. And it's like, I don't want to work with you just on any old material. I want to work toward something that's going to help your business. Mm-hmm. For newer people, that's demos. We're going to work on slowly start to gather the demos depending on the skill set because people come into this work and they're not actors. So now we got to learn how to be an actor. We got to learn how to translate the lived experience into somebody else's given experiences of a lived experience and figure out how to translate that in your individual body. And then there's people who are actors there. It's it's a faster track. And then people who are more established, it's about check ins. Yeah. You know, it's about, okay, let's see. Oh, you know what? You could mine the text a little bit more here. Or let's pay attention to that white space on the page. Like, let's give a beat. Notice your beat mm. shifts. How many times are you shifting your subtext? Because that's what's actually happening in the story. So let's let's get a little bit more of the goodness out yeah. of this text. Um, so it kind of ends up being that progression with people. Yeah. Do you find it rewarding being a part of that progression of of following a narrator's journey, you know, from possibly the very beginning to, you know, getting that first job and stuff? Is that is that is that fun for you? I love it. Yeah, I really love it. I, I just to be at a place in my life where I can really fundamentally help other humans live their best life. It's like, yes, (laughs) I will. I will take that any day of the week, any day of the week. Um, and I can, you know, I can only fit in so much because I'm doing my own creative journey. Yeah. But I love, like, I have a, a coaching student who was nominated for an Audi last year. Oh, wow. And when I first worked with her, uh, 
she was it was new she was an actor like she went to college in acting but she'd been away from it for about 10 years Mm -hmm. and then she was coming back to it and boy it was lighting her up but she believed that there was a lot of things around how her she had to be set up that were constricting her or Mm kind of holding her back and things and so we just slowly really got her confidence up Mm-hmm. And got her specificity up and got those things going. And then, you know, to see that was like, yeah. that's, and that's all her. Like, that's just, I'm just a support system for what people already are doing. And you've got to do it yourself. Like a good coach, a good coach is just someone who takes you forward yeah. um, for where you are already going. Yeah. Because it's, coaching is, is um, <clears throat> your coaching client it's based on their motivation. Mm. It's based on their stick to itiveness. It's based on what they do when they're not with you. It's not. It's it, it, you're not like alchemically, mysteriously <laughs> making something. No. You are just taking somebody on the journey that they have set out for themselves. You're helping yeah. to reflect things back to them, and help them to move forward. Um, so I love that. It's it's yeah. very rewarding. Oh, fantastic! Oh, well, congratulations to your <laughs> to your student for that uh, audio. Yeah, fantastic! Yeah, so um, awesome. Oh. <laughs> um, networking and growing your name and business is something that we're told is, of course, such an important part of this industry. In your experience, what are the best ways for narrators to to, to grow their brand, as it were, to get their name out there? Yeah, absolutely. So. It's really interesting because there's a lot of talk about this and there's a lot of opinions. (laughs) So one of the things I do for my coaching clients is I take a lot of webinars. Mm -hmm. I take a lot of uh, workshops and stuff like that. And mostly I take it a little bit for myself. Um, But a lot of my relationships are are well exercised. So I'm taking a lot of that stuff. I've taken a lot around demos and I've taken a lot around networking and marketing to learn for myself but also to hear what is the same thing as getting a few coaches what are most people saying what is only being said once in a while <laughs> and what is in opposition okay and so the the what i can speak to is what i hear most often and what i see yeah and what i see is <clears throat> there is an idea that Social media is the place where I am doing my marketing and promotion. So sometimes that's what people feel. Mm. Um, I think it's a bit of the FOMO stuff of like, I have to be engaged on all of these sites on a regular basis, letting everybody know all the things I'm doing all the time. And I will say for that, that's not really reaching producers so much. Think about how many actors are out there, how many producers are out there. They are not following <laughs> us yeah. unless they have an already established relationship with us that goes beyond work and into friendship. So they're celebrating us as a colleague friend. Yeah. It is a great way to get the industry, meaning other narrators, maybe, maybe some smaller producers and authors. So it's a way to get you engaged in the author world um, mm. because authors are also self-promoting. So essentially, we're self-promoting to ourselves, to our own community, which is authors and narrators. When we're engaging on social media, that's a yeah. lot of what we're doing. And listeners, which is really lovely. And I don't feel like in my early career, I had as much access to listeners. And I love having relationships with listeners because I'm a listener. Yeah. <laughs> I might be doing the book, but, you know, it, it's not – I'm not sitting in a tiny booth by myself, not in front of a live audience because I need accolades immediate. Yeah, like, I'm not yeah. doing – my listener engagement is about, me too. I love that book too. I love that author as well. Yeah. It's not – Yes, I know I did a brilliant job on that book. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because I get to be with the listeners mm-hmm. and that's a wonderful engagement. So for social media, it's other narrators, authors, and listeners. That's who you're engaging with. Mm-hmm. So producers and maybe some, maybe some of the smaller 
producers, like the the narrators who have created produce, production companies. Yeah. yeah, there's more and more of that kind of popping up and popping and then going away and popping and going away and yeah. kind of all that. Because uh, we love employing our friends, which is awesome, and our colleagues. Providing opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, and so you are engaging on social media, I think, in those ways. Um, and how much you do that and how you do that. I don't think there's a method. I do mm. not believe that. I don't believe there is one way. I believe that one person's success or what they deem as success is personal to their own opinion about success, yes. their own ideology <laughs> around marketing and promotion, and that there is no one way to accomplish success in this business, period. And you don't have to engage on social media. You choose to engage on social media, and then you choose how and why and how much you want to engage in those spaces based on your own self and how it makes you feel and what time you have and uh, how much is your cost-benefit ratio and all those different things. And there isn't a formula for that. There's a few yeah. different methodologies that you could play with and see if it works, but I don't think there's a single no. way. Yeah. And then with publishers, it's, it's the old-fashioned way of developing honest business relationships be you if there's kind of book you like and you want to contact and cold call essentially via email because we don't call um email a publisher then it's it's like oh my gosh i just listened to so and so do this book it better be from their production house it was so amazing yeah you know Thank you so much. That was great. That's a great way to start a conversation. Or maybe it's, um, hey, I just did a real, I did a fantasy that I loved. Um, I would please keep me in mind for any fantasies that you have that are within the urban fantasy romance, you know, genre. Yeah. Help them cast you. That's what a lot of producers say. Help me cast you by telling me what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and know thyself. Like, so know what you're good at, too. Um and then over time, developing, like, going to conferences, meeting people in a natural way. Hmm. You know, like, you can be the person who goes around to every table and puts, you know, your sticker or your card or your whatever in. And that's fine. That's part of how people make engagements happen. Hmm. You can also be the person, I'm going to point to myself right now, who will absolutely and totally engage in conversation as it comes up naturally, as people meet at a conference, my friend's talking to so-and-so, I go over to talk to my friend. Whatever we talk about is whatever we talk about. Yeah. You know, and some of it might be what we do for a living, and some of it might be about what I did over the holidays, or I've got this trip coming up. Have you ever been to, you know, or, oh, you went where? Oh, what was that like? You know, asking yeah people some questions about themselves the normal ebb and flow of conversation mm. i for me that works better it settles me in myself um it's the slow game and i'm okay with that so i think that and you can participate in all of the different things that are out there where you essentially are live auditioning for people like dan has the master classes and yeah. uh, chris chula has his um stuff on thursday nights uh you know um there's the speed dating and then there's meet the producers with APAC. There's all sorts of ways. There's watching a webinar that Panna is offering and the and then engaging that producer afterwards. I mean, wait a couple of weeks because they're going to get a lot of emails right away and say, like, thank you so much. These two takeaways were monumental for me and I really appreciate it. It's so nice to get to know you because you've said I've gotten to know you. And mm. now you're starting the conversation of them getting to know you back. Yeah. 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 I get so that. there's a lot of different ways. And I'm always a bit rebellious against anyone who says there's one way. I know no, a lot I, of narrators who are on social media <laughs> who do very well for themselves. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I th and also, I, I just think like starting, you know, building relationships just by talking and not trying to pressure anybody into anything or, or trying to you know force your business card down their throat i i think that that's that's got to be a good thing right <laughs> to, I think to, so. to yeah. yeah i mean it's what makes me most comfortable yeah um 
also even engaging on social media it's like i'm doing that to my own individual comfort level and Mm. what makes me feel fun and light and Mm. also what helps my authors like Mm. most of my work honestly is through producers so i get nothing from promoting these authors work except for the fact that i love their work and they worked bloody hard and now i have the opportunity my whole Life is based on taking a person's work that they've labored over for way longer than I'm going to labor over it and bringing it into the world in another way. It is our kind of work together, but most of that work is theirs uh, if I've Mm. done my job well. (laughs) And so I want to help the authors keep writing our stories. I'm happy to embody stories till the cows come home. That is, it's absolutely my lot in life. It's it's very important to me, that level of my contribution within getting story out there. Mm. And to do that, these authors need support. They need readers and listeners. So I don't care if they listen or if they read, I want them to get that author's book because I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know? I think, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I read that you have a certification uh, in applied positive psychology. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd love to, I'd love to know more about that, and and if this has positively affected your work as a narrator and and as an actor and running a business. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I did that. Um, my friend runs this huge program. <clears throat> she did her master's in positive psychology, Amelia Jevatovskaya. It's taken me years, years to say her last name. That's a tricky one. I love you, Easy. Um, (laughs) So, Zhivtovskaya. And no, I hope I got it right. (laughs) But I know, I know, I've been practicing. Um, So it's through the Flourishing Center. And basically, she got her master's in positive psych. um, Mm. And she saw that this, the basic part, the really fundamental parts of positive psych needed to be learned by everyone. Mm. Like, it should be in high school, it should be psych 101 in college. Like everybody needs these tools to just be good sisters and brothers and siblings and colleagues and friends and partners and Mm -hmm. coaches, (laughs) however, and whatever you're doing, it's looking at what takes people north of neutral. So I said about what helps people thrive. And so positive psychology isn't about looking into the past and uh, deconstructing that and trying to find out what the patterns are and all that. That's outside of Mm. kind of that would be the next kind of uh, psychology. And especially a 200 hour course is basically just for it's for well, not just it's for coaches and teachers and, you know, CEOs on how to engage with the people around you in a way that helps them thrive gives them the opportunity to thrive because again it's it's they have to take that and run and although the idea uh, when I first took it I remember thinking oh god I can't do something that is called positive psychology because it sounds like it's just like put a happy face on it and everything will be all right (laughs) and that's not how I live it's I've I've gone through enough in my life to know that if I can't honor my dark deep corners I got nothing. And I do story for a living. Like it's about dark, deep corners all the time. It's about the biggest parts of people's lives. And it's positive psych isn't about that. It's actually about honoring how you how you are feeling and mm. looking at how you want to move fo- move forward, honoring that there's an ebb and flow, honoring yeah. that you're going to go back into there and, you, and then you're going to come out. And what are the tools that you have to move forward? So as a coach... It's helped me hear better what is what somebody is asking, be able to reflect that back to them so that they get to hear it and go, oh, yeah, no, I don't. And, oh, yes, I do. Mm. And then once they choose the yes, I do or the no, I don't part of what I reflect back to them, we come up with a plan together that yeah. is self-motivated from them to move forward, right, so that – I can, as much as possible, help them to move forward in whatever thing that they're offering. Um, 
it's also just helped me be like a better friend and a better sister I think like a better auntie uh and colleague because I have more mindful tools about how I listen and how I speak to people Hmm. um when and how I react to things like it's yeah, it was that and all of my uh, work in the yoga space. So I'm a yoga therapist as well. Yeah. All those things, I think, help me to live from a more mindfully authentic, mm. open-hearted space mm. that I hope reflects in what I offer whomever I'm coaching or teaching in whatever whatever space. And, you know, being a good colleague too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I often find, um, you know, I think I, I do believe that every, everything is connected. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're not, if nothing, if, if, if something's not right, you know, in your head, it's going to be reflected in your body. It's going to be reflected yeah. in, your, in your work and it's going to be reflected, you know, how, how you feel um, reflects how you treat people and, and yeah. all that sort of thing. Um, and I think that it's something that isn't really you know maybe even on the on the on this podcast we talk a lot about um tech and process and you know the sort of nuts and bolts of uh, of production but we don't speak enough about kind of that well-being mm. for somebody who's going to you know setting out on this journey of you know being self-employed of growing a business growing themselves and everything that comes with that because it isn't just about the nuts and bolts of that process it's about how to cope with the you know the the successes but also the the things that challenging and and don't always go your way yeah and like those you know it's all the things of even being aware of scarcity mindset and growth oriented Mm. mindset and what are those things and how do we use language that helps ourselves and the people we work with Mm. live within an abundance mindset and live within um an ideology that is growth oriented as opposed to i am this this is it and everything that's fixed mindset that inevitably and in art I'm a big believer that fixed mindset does can't like it's very difficult to live in an artistic space that is inevitably malleable and moving mm. and and gone there and gone in an instant and you know we don't go back on our books four times and get every sentence right so there is yeah. we have to learn how to trust that the overall story is the thing there's not a single story recorded by a single narrator who is the best at what they do where every emphasis and every sentence was right like I just I gotta trust that I'm on a journey and I have to learn how to let go of some of that stuff and that's all growth oriented and abundance I think also abundance mindset oriented and all of that language that comes from taking the positive psych course and I, being a language person, I needed the codification of those ideas. I needed the semantics yeah. <laughs> of yeah. those ideas to name feelings that I had, to name reactions that I mm. had when I would hear things that were fixed mindset oriented, mm. to notice patterns that I had that would be scarcity mindset that's one of the things I still work on all the time is scarcity mindset (laughs) and and so having those things named makes such a difference in how I participate in the world and that inevitably is about how I feel like you said like being a, a a creative entrepreneur being a heart centered kind of entrepreneur like it's a squishy place to hang out and it's vulnerable and it's nice to be able to talk to your colleagues about the fact that you know that may look over there and the shined up (laughs) marketing of that that all that is just happening and here look at all these books 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 and it's like yeah, but their work-life balance might be fundamentally different than yours. What do you want yours yeah. to be? Yeah, you know, I want my weekends. I I want to be able to take vacation. That yeah. means I'm not going to do a hundred books a year. Yeah, I'm really okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally fine. Yeah, because my income work-life balance because it's the things mm. together works for me. Yeah. Mm. So it's listening yeah. to that and being able to have the language around that to reflect back 
to friends, colleagues, and coaching people yeah. that helps them find that for themselves. And it's going to take time. It ebbs yeah. and flows. I think you're absolutely right. And I, th- I think there's occasionally, um, maybe back to, you know, that hustle culture, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, in New York, that hustle and that, you know, getting in there. And I think it's, um, we can find that online of, um, you suppose, you know, if you love something and if you love, you know, if you, if you love the work that you do, you, it, it should be known that you don't have to do it 24 hours a day. You know, you can, you can, yeah. you know, take a vacation for a week and still love what you do and, and need a bit you, of time. Because otherwise you, know. you kill the thing you love. Exactly. Do you exactly. want to kill the thing you love? Because guess what? You will kill the thing you love yeah. if it becomes a labor. Yeah. And I know even on, even when we're not killing the thing we love, some day, days it can be like a labor because your brain is just not firing the way you need it to. And you're like, why can't I read words? I yeah. do it all the time. Um, and it's just giving that space around it mm-hmm. of I am a creative. I get to also, therefore, create the life I want to live. You know, I am, these are all parts of being my own boss. It means that the only person who is keeping me in that booth all day, it's not the higher, it's actually me saying no. It's me saying I'm booked until. It's me Mm. making sure that when I'm booking, I always book extra time on every Mm. book. It's making sure that when I get a script, is it the final script or the prep script? Because if I'm prepping from a prep script and I like to mark up my script that means I got to read a book twice and I'm not you know like that's yeah. fine for a new narrator but I'm, I'm at this point in my career not gonna do that ever <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to create boundaries hmm. around my work that work for my life and that work within the industry it still has to work within what people are what expectations exist in the in the industry so you've just you know you have to create those things for yourself and nobody can tell you what those are and I think as social media because I've seen the boom in social media for audiobooks in just the last like three years really um there is an idea especially when people this is a time of year folks when people start to list how many books they've done (laughs) let it go maybe skip over those posts If you notice yourself being in the comparative space and in scarcity mindset, if that elicits that for you, then stop. Just scroll right past it. It is it has nothing to do with your life. You Mm. don't know what those books are. You don't know what else that person has going on in their life, how they've crafted their life, Mm. what their vocal cords can handle. Mm. Mine can only handle so much. Mm. I can't record for six hours a day, seven days a week. My throat will fall out <laughs> of my mouth. <laughs> like it won't work, you know? Yeah. So that kind of comparative isn't actually helpful to anybody. Hmm. It's somebody feeling proud of themselves because yeah. of the, what they've set for themselves. It has nothing to do with you and you don't know the parameters of it. So I will say that I think those kind of things in the social media realm can be helpful and interesting but we have to kind of hold it with a a soft awareness around what our needs are yeah and that this is a business and it ebbs and flows and grows and you know even the best narrators i know that have been in this business forever have had months where they don't work okay so you know or like they get one book and they haven't worked and it's like in six weeks they've only got one book it happens it's okay it will move forward yeah Absolutely, yeah. I think that's so important to remember uh, and 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 to share. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have um, I have one final question to ask, okay. if that's okay. Um, yeah. I ca- I can't believe this this last hour has flown. It's been such a pleasure <laughs> to talk to you. Um, you as well. But yeah, just um, is there? I just wanted to know if there um, is there any upcoming projects that you're working on right now that that we can look forward to? Yeah. Um. What do I have coming up? So, well, I have through Panna on November 16th, I am teaching a um, casting your audiobooks, how to play all the parts. Um, it's geared toward uh, newer narrators and intermediary narrators uh, looking at, I'll break down POV, 
I'll break down like first person, third person, limited, mm-hmm. omniscient, second person. And then I'll go into just what tools do you have in your tool belt? What things can you explore for characters and then how to track um, mm. those char- different methodologies for tracking. And then basically we'll have an open Q&A. And like if somebody's trying to work out something and they want to bring in a bit, bit, like I'm open to all things to happen in the last half hour. So yeah. I have that coming up. And um, it's for PANA members only right now. That's the education committees. I'm on the education committee and it's our first mm. kind of like attempted rollout for our members and that's the professional audiobook narrators association it's a new association created for and by uh audiobook narrators mm-hmm. and uh and then as far as books i have well i just had the second installment of a really cute cozy mystery that came out the first one's called a cheddar off dead nice and the fir- and the second one's called gone for gouda love it and <laughs> <laughs> During a time when the world is exploding, yeah, I will say a cozy mystery has been so good for my heart. Yeah. So, 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 so good for my heart. Yeah. Um, and I also have done an urban fantasy series called the Jane Thorne th- series. And uh, it looks like I'm going to be going to a lot of countries. So I was in Ireland last. This one I was in Paris. And I think the next one might be in Italy. Um, so that one's Very really nice. fun. Yeah, it's fun yeah. because it exercises all those muscles of like, oh, God, <laughs> how many people am I going to be in this accent today? And, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's pretty, pretty fun for that. Oh, fantastic. They sound they sound brilliant. And uh and yeah, wishing you uh, wishing you all the very best um, as you. you go into uh, production with those. Um, and that just about does it for this episode of the Audiobook Club. All the relevant links to social media accounts uh, and Erin's coaching will be available in the show notes. Erin, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank it's you. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so, so much for having me. I hope you have a beautiful evening. Oh, thank you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening.